What's up with the five to no six? What's up with the six to ten years old? They are out of control. You want to do this? Okay, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Hey guys, welcome to the Out of Control Podcast. I'm Matthew and I'm Molly. And we are here to just talk about all things out of control. We live in a world that kind of tries to tell us, hey, you know, get things under control. Control is the key. If you just got things under control, everything would be better. But it's not exactly what we found to be true. Yeah. So we're going to talk about relationships, parenting, spirituality. Anything else you think of? Sexuality. All sorts of things as I am out of control here trying to figure out how to sit in this chair. And uh, you can also find us over on YouTube as well as Spotify and all the different places. So uh, go ahead and subscribe and enjoy the show. Let's get it going. You feeling good? All right. So today we're going to continue our series on parenting in the out of control world and what that looks like for us. How do we parent our kids? How did we parent our kids? We, we don't have any more kids at this stage. No, we don't. We've just moved out. This is the six to 10 years old. So we've covered babies, babies. We covered toddlers. Babies. You can check those out, how it is that um, some of the things that we think are key. Now we're going to talk about, the, this is really going to be Molly, a lot of talking because this is her specialty. Is it? I think so. Okay. Okay. So I think this is a stage of exploration. Yeah. So stage one is a lot about like teaching them love and safety. Stage two is toddlers. You're teaching them kind of about the world around them. And stage three is really expanding that. And it's a stage of exploration. Okay. You don't agree? I do. Oh, okay. That's um, why I said okay. Okay. What other keys are, would you say about this stage? What are other major core pieces of this stage in your mind? Well, I think we... Like when we talked about toddlers, we talked about choices. Yeah. And I think this just kind of stacks on top of that. I think they're learning like their autonomy, like yeah. their freedom in the world. And yeah, it starts to become like, so that first stage is literally about them. And, and, and now this is about them in, in it, this is about the world around them. Right. And education is a big piece of this world, this, this, stage yeah um so but before we do that let's do uh let's have a little fun with some fun facts okay you go first because i don't have mine <laughs> oh you don't have one all right fun fact for me today my fun fact is that uh i have always been a gadget guy i always ever since i was a kid i was like one of the first people to have a cd player funny story i remember riding in my uncle's car it was a toyota cressida Cressida. I know you ever heard of those. No, we, I had, thought, we had Toyota like Corolla. Corolla, yeah. Oh. Cressida was like the high end. You know why? No. It had a CD player in it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So my my uncle had a CD player. I thought that was the coolest thing. When I grew up, I wanted to have a Cressida. You know what? I've never bought a Cressida. I don't think I want a Cressida anymore. But I always <laughs> thought it was just cool that you could you know play CDs in there. And so I've always been a gadget guy. And, um, so I did get, um, a new gadget, my new, uh, camera that I've always wanted. And yeah, um, being a gadget guy is expensive. It can be. No, so I have to be disciplined. the way you do it, I have to be disciplined. So, um, Molly yeah. spends little monies every month. I spend big monies every once in a while. That's how our relationship works. 
true. Yeah. Yeah. So I spend a lot of money on supplements. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm, I got to start paying attention to my health. So uh, anyway, so that's that's my fun fact. You also have another gadget that you just bought. I do. That you're wearing. We talked about back. that one last week. On your back. Oh, oh yeah. I'm not actually wearing it right now because oh. I was going to thought it would be annoying. Uh, I did buy one of those uh, posture. posture upright things. And let me just tell you, I don't have great posture. And it's hard, like on this couch, I can't figure out a good way to sit and have good posture. So, but um, anyway, so I, I'm trying that out. I'm, I'm, I don't, it's telling me I don't have great posture. I could already, <laughs> I could have told you that. So I'm working on my, that. My advice is free. Your advice <laughs> is free. It's always free and always there. So, all right, we're five minutes in. Let's go. Okay. Your, what's your, what's your fun fact? Yeah. I just binge watched mm -hmm. the first two seasons of Stranger Things. We're finally getting with Stranger Nick Things. because he was sick at the first part of this week, mm -hmm. and so he wanted to start watching that. So we started watching mm -hmm. it together, and I I didn't think I was gonna like it that much. It's not like my typical TV show. Yeah, you're show, not usually a sci-fi girl. But now I like have to keep watching. Mm -hmm. I do enjoy some of the characters. I think they're funny, and yeah. I think it is like the '80s. Yes, it reminds us of our childhood growing up, and yeah. and it's fun to watch it with Nick. Because like at the, like the different like uh, love interests and stuff, he goes, "That is so awkward." He's like, "Is that what it's gonna be like?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes <laughs> love is awkward." <laughs> yeah, very often it's awkward. In so our, in I just case. think it's it's fun to watch it, but watch it with him. With him, yeah. Kind of see it through his eyes. So. Yeah, we started watching it together, and then uh, y'all decided to just move on without me. And I've tried to catch up but i've been busy with work so have not been able to so if you're stranger things fans let us know we uh now i'm like oh, i i would have been one of them for halloween costume oh yeah yeah, yeah it would have been good but we have some other halloween costumes which we're excited about our halloween party this saturday i so. think i would have actually wanted to be a, a guy from the show oh okay i would have dressed up as dustin dustin <laughs> yeah he's great he's great very compelling uh, character, written very well. He's he's, so. he's what I would have if I if I wouldn't have been so shy and introverted. Mm -hmm. He's the type of guy you would have liked to. I would have want to be him oh, in girl form. In the girl form. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. He just seems like really comfortable with himself. Yeah, he is. He is. And, 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 and he's funny. And there's kind of some argument for why he is comfortable with yeah. himself. So it's like it's fun. Yeah, he's a. It's interesting. He's a cool kid. Ne next Halloween. Next Halloween, you'll be Dustin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I already I found stuff on Amazon. <laughs> surprise, surprise. See, she buys little things all I didn't buy anything. I just, okay. you know, put it in the cart for saved <laughs> later. Oh, man. That's a fun fact about Molly. Everything in her Amazon uh, cart. But it really prevents me from buying things. I just put it in the I cart. believe that from all the And then save it for later. Save it for later. Save it for later. All right. So um, we're going to skip our other thing, which is our favorite things, since we just talked about favorite things. Like the upright is to me a cool thing. Maybe I'll put a link for it if you want to check it out on Amazon um, or my camera. So let's get into this parenting thing. And what is this? Uh, what, what is it like to parent a six to 10 year old. So this is really, uh, you mentioned kind of in the baby stage that that's a hard stage and even the toddler stage is, yeah. is not the easiest for you. But I feel like you really thrived once our kids got to about the six years old stage. Yeah. You get more feedback, mm -hmm. like not just like crying, <laughs> mm -hmm. whining, 
and whining. Yeah, they've kind of, if you've trained them right, they at least, they've learned how to communicate. So communication, let's talk about, okay, so teaching your kids how to communicate. So part of that is that love and logic concept. So yeah. teaching them how to use their words. I remember you used, what was that? What was, what, that that's like a phrase you used a lot. What? You know? Use your words? Yeah. What was that about? What is that? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Oh. It's just, if if they're like having a moment or throwing mm -hmm. a fit or upset, I can't help them until they use words. Okay. They get to put your feelings into words. Yeah, so teaching them the skill of of verbalizing what are you feeling, yeah. not just reacting with emotion and anger and pounding your feet. But, but also, I think giving them space to like, if they need to get that out before they can sure. use words. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes though they want stuff or they're feeling stuff. And um, I think some. I think we didn't do this as well because I don't know that we learned this as well. We weren't great at feeling our, our own feelings. By the time Nick came along, we did everything so much better with yeah. him. But with, with Tyler, I don't think we did as well as helping him to communicate his emotions. But with Nick, I feel like we definitely, um, I mean, I watch you sit with him when he's feeling a lot, right? And, and over the last few years. So, so um yeah, so, so that's one key is teaching them how to communicate and use words effectively to communicate what they're feeling. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of life starting to happen. They're going to kindergarten potentially, yeah. even if you're homeschooling, which let's talk a little bit about that. So, so Tyler's in kindergarten, so he's five, six years old. Mm -hmm. And you come to me and you're like, hey, I'm thinking about homeschooling our kids. Yeah. And I'm thinking you're freaking crazy. Yeah. Because I did not go to homeschool and I'm like, I, I every normal I person I know. I wasn't homeschooled either. Yeah. So so you're like, well, I'm not saying now. You're just like maybe in like middle school. So it's like halfway through his kindergarten year. I was thinking maybe by the time Nick went into public school, then I would just start homeschooling all of them. Yeah. So about two months later, you're like, well, I'm thinking maybe, maybe not middle school. Maybe like, maybe not like next year, but the year after. And I'm like, whoa, she's getting like serious about this soon. And I was like, I don't know anything about homeschool. I, I didn't really have the stigma like homeschool kids were weird that I knew some people did, but because I didn't know any homeschool kids, but I did have this. I did have the concern that my kids may not have the opportunities that I would want them to have if they were homeschooled. I mean, I, I, the opportunities I would want them to have because we chose to homeschool them, right? So I didn't want that to happen. So I. I was like, no. And then you gave me this book called Unschooling. Unschooling Handbook. Yeah, the Unschooling Handbook, I think. Yeah. And I read it and it had a bunch of people that I like respected. I, I can't remember who all it was. I think it, maybe Einstein was in there and maybe um, I don't, Edison. I don't remember. Yeah, several, you know, historical figures that we consider to be prominent and he talked about how they were raised and educated and I started it like started to think and then I started watching YouTube videos and I remember watching a video of a gal who graduated from Cornell and I was away she she homeschooled and then she went to Cornell University and she was super creative but yet well, she had a technical background in something I can't remember what it was and I and I was like oh okay so homeschool doesn't necessarily preclude you from opportunities in life in fact it may actually benefit you in some ways and I love the entrepreneurial nature um, or, or the creative nature that to me speaks to entrepreneurship that homeschool provides for the kids. So what was it for you that originally had you really interested in homeschooling them? I, I don't 
remember exactly, but you're not giving me a lot of good information. I do today. not like. I don't like being told what to do, and I like to do like things on my own schedule. Mm-hmm. I Those hated, are both true. <laughs> I hated like school drop off. So are you just doing and, it for you? No, but I, d- I like the freedom, and I married an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and the more I started studying about homeschool, the more I realized that. I felt like there was more opportunities mm-hmm. that could be born out of someone that was homeschooled, mm. maybe versus public school, not saying that. Yeah, we're not like pro homeschool and anti public school. I, I think it's very, very specific to family. Well, I also knew that we all had to be on board. Right. Everyone yeah. had to buy in mm-hmm. to the idea that homeschooling was right for our family. Yeah. And like all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're finally going to get two kids in school and just one kid at home. You're going to have so much freedom. So it's funny when you say I was, I like the freedom and yet you were going to give yourself less freedom by doing this. Yes. They were going to be home all the time. And all so, time. so why, so, but, but for them, you felt like it would. Well, I, yeah. I also felt like, especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to like shelter my kids or I don't think I'm was a super helicopter mom. Mm-hmm. But I I do see the value in like who are they spending the most time with during the day? Who's having mm-hmm. direct influence over my kids? Yeah. Also Tyler um hated reading. Mm-hmm. He learned no. to read by sight words mm-hmm. and never learned phonetically in school. Yeah. So he struggled. And so I remember that first year we homeschooled, we, I didn't push reading until he was interested. And then we read Captain Underpants. Mm-hmm. Um, you sure that wasn't Ben? Nope. That was Tyler. Oh, cause I thought Ben's story was very similar. Well, I didn't push Ben to read either. I don't mm-hmm. remember what books he's got. Ben didn't to. read till he was like seven. But Tyler, Tyler could read Yeah. until I started really reading with him more like books of our choice, not just stuff, books he brought home from school after we started homeschooling and I realized if he got to a word he didn't know, he wouldn't even try to sound it out. Mm. My neck hurts. So one of the interesting things at this stage I remember was that we were looking at like different homeschool paths and, and homeschool is, if you're not familiar with it, is it's not like school at home. Like, we should, we should probably do a whole podcast on homeschool. Yeah. So we could, we, we can talk about that. But it's not school at home. But one of the things that was really powerful for me was I was researching a little bit about some of the different alternative schooling methods like Waldorf and stuff. And one of the things Waldorf talked about was um, that they didn't teach kids to read young. And the reason why, especially in boys, is that the brain doesn't connect um, fully until you're like six to eight years old, depending on you know the person. And so if you start to try to learn to read before the brain is connected on both hemispheres, then it will go to a memorization model. So you'll, you'll basically memorize a word. And then it's, it's almost like if you've ever tried to learn another language where you're like taking that word, translating into, you know, your own word and then processing it into an English word and then processing it. Right. And so it's kind of a dual step process, which makes a lot of people not like to read. Um, if they feel that. and I and I when I read that I was like oh that's kind of how I process reading like I'm a really bad reader because I I just don't 
I don't know, I, I get distracted easily. And so what it suggested was that if you'll take a kid who, who you're working on getting this, one of the best ways to help them to develop the hemisphere connection is through some sort of sport where both sides of their body is being used, like gymnastics. So we put, so I remember Ben was kind of struggling. So we kind of pulled him out, put him in gymnastics for even just six to eight months. Pulled him out of what? Well, just pulled, sorry, stop, yeah. stop having him read. Okay. Or pushing yeah. him to read. Because so he much. never went to public school. Yeah. And he was, it, this was like six, seven years old. And, and we didn't try to push him to read, but we put him in gymnastics, which he loved and he did really well at. And then when we started reading again, it was fascinating how quickly he, he was able to read and, and how he quickly he picked it up. And so I, I felt like we saw like a very direct impact on him, um, with reading and, um, he's not our most avid reader. I mean, Nick no, he prefers reads audiobooks cause mm-hmm. we're pretty sure he has ADHD. Yeah. And so he'll even say like, he'll start reading and then his mind will. Yeah. Go about a billion different places except for the words on the page. Yeah. So I don't I don't push reading. I like good like I like the uh intake of knowledge. So however you want to take that in like if you want to read a book versus yeah. listening to an audiobook. Yeah. You're saying you don't push the actual act of reading, but you you say, Hey, if you want to learn through YouTube videos, through audible right. books. And I do whatever. and I do have I do like to require them to either choose a book to read or a book to listen to. Yeah. And you read with them a lot. Older boys, not so much. Anymore. Not anymore, but when they're young, from this yeah, age, they're just from six to home. 10. Which yeah. Is what we're oh, I read all today. the time. Yeah. I read so many books that I didn't read as a kid that I found that I really like like youth literature. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, I think, another big part of the stage is that. Um, hit, me, hit me up if you need any mind. good recommendations. So what's your favorite book? I loved Hatchet. I read that multiple times. I love that one. Uh, A lot of them are, some of them are sat, like Where the Red Fern Grows. I read that multiple times because Mm -hmm. Nick would sit in when I would read to the older boys. Yeah. But he doesn't remember. So I've read, I've gone like a second round in certain books. Um, The Bridge to Terabithia. That'll make you cry. Because we would read that and then listen to it in the car. And you should not listen to that while you're driving. (laughs) (laughs) It's sad. Yeah, I remember liking that one. I don't remember what it was about, but um, I remember liking it as a kid. A newer series that Nick and I really like is mm-hmm. The Vanderbeekers on 141st Street. Mm. Yep. Really good. Well, that was something I really loved about you because I had a mom who read to us, and books were always a big thing in our family. And so I love that you were a mom that brought reading in. It's interesting because I've never been much of a reader because of my reading struggles, but I do listen to audiobooks. I love... Thank goodness for Audible. I know. I, Audible changed my life because it gave me access to so much information that I otherwise I think couldn't. even people like me that like to read, mm-hmm. just having an audiobook opens up, like I can fold laundry, you can drive a car, you can yeah. do a lot of things and listen to a book. At the yeah, time. I still go through, I mean, maybe not actually two to three a month, every month, but, but I average probably at least 24 to 36 books a year that I read. I just think there's a lot of, you can get so much information from reading a good book. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be a nonfiction. Yeah. It could be fiction. You can pull a lot of good things. Yeah. Well, you have a fiction series that you absolutely love. Harry we all Potter. Know. So <laughs> there's a lot of things you can learn from Harry Potter. Guys. As you I'm actually reading that with episode. Nick right now. Oh, uh, that's right. We've listened to those audiobooks. Mm-hmm. We, as in me and the boys. Yes. Over and, and over. you probably have partaken yes, of when you've been point. in the car, but, um, yeah, that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. 
So reading is powerful. And I think reading, what it does is it exposes them to these stories of the world. Oh, yeah. God, you got to tell them. What, what's the story? There are two books that I've heard you read that I just think are powerful. Oh, oh what is that? Oh, crap. I know what you're talking about because I reread it recently. The, about the story of the girl in the... Yeah. The had cerebral palsy or something like uh, that. Let me look it up. Okay. We'll we'll put we'll it in the description below. Can't I can't remember, remember this. It, I can see the cover. Yeah, she can, can remember in a second. Co- Anyways, oh, but I remember one. listening to that one in the background. I had a friend that had cerebral palsy when I was twelve, and so to me, what what reading does at this stage is it just exposes them to some of the harsh realities of life in a gentle manner, right? Yeah. And so, especially like our kids, honestly, are very sheltered. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like they they are not exposed to a lot of very challenging situations. No, they, they have lived a sheltered life as in, yeah, they have had a stable, they've lived in a stable home. Yeah. Um, with, you know, they have food on the table. They have, they, they, they have more than their needs. Yes. They have a lot of their, yeah. I'm not saying it's not, they don't have, no. So by reading books, they, they have not experienced firsthand, but they see, and we've read some really sad like the boy in the striped pajamas guys mm-hmm. i'm just warning you it's a kid's book but mm-hmm. if you ask any of our boys i don't know tyler because he doesn't share his emotions but if you ask ben and nick uh-huh. like when we finished reading that book they were like mom why did you choose this <laughs> and they're like this is so sad and benny benny's gonna start listening to um the hiding place mm-hmm. which if you haven't read that mm-hmm this is basically That's just a one book of my list favorite. for six to ten but I, but I think mm-hmm. reading with your kids at this age mm. helps them develop a love of books, yeah. whether that's listening or reading or end up, you know, writing. Yeah. I, I think it shows them because it's a way to connect with your kids yeah. without having to talk about hard things. Right. I think it's a way to build a but connection. But you do discuss them. the books a lot. Like it's not yeah. just read them. It's like, Oh, what did you think about that? Or yeah. what, you know, what would you do in that situation? I, and I think bringing that out, we did that a lot from a religious perspective because we grew up our, our kids at that stage where we were more religious. And so we would use other mechanisms. I think, I still think the pattern, if you go back and listen to our spirituality after religion um, podcast, we talk about how whether you're religious or not, there's still ways to interact with your kids. And I think that this is a good stage to start to develop the habit of gathering as a family. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when they're toddlers, like gathering and sitting down for even 20 minutes as a family is really tough unless it's just engaging fun. Because they don't sit. Yeah. But there was actually an interesting, at this stage, when Tyler was at the stage, so it's like when we had like two at this stage and then one in the toddler stage, um, I, I had a talk, I had a conversation. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast before, but I had a conversation with Chloe Madonis. And Chloe Madonis is a coach. Uh, she's like a C, like super expert psycho- psychologist that works with Tony Robbins. And I joined one of their programs, which is super powerful. But I got one call with her. And I like did not know what to ask her. And so I'm this young father and I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask her about raising kids because I, I don't got anything else to ask her about right now. I, I think I asked a little bit about our relationship and stuff, but the whole program was so much about that. It was like, I didn't, it's like, it's all there anyways. I just got to keep working through it. So, so I asked about being a parent and she said, oh, 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 it's really simple. She was sweet. She was a sweet lady the way she said it or something. I cried. She's like, oh, just, it's all about playing games. And she made it sound so simple. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so, so 
I, I didn't even value what she was saying when she said it. I was like, oh, that's kind of a dumb, silly answer. And yet, as I've processed that in my life, I've realized that games are magical with kids. And anytime you can create a game out of something in life, anytime you're frustrated with them. Even, well, even as an adult. Like, well, you're right. No, even, yeah. Making something more enjoyable is going to be more enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Something that's mundane and tasks that you don't want to do. And so learning the the art of, of play. Yeah, I think kids teach you how to, well, they might, you know, you get to choose, but they can teach you how to slow down. Yeah. And so I think this is one of the critical pieces as a parent. Like, so from the parenting perspective at this stage, we, we, what happens I think that's challenging is we now have these kids who it's like, oh, they know better. Like how many times have you thought like, oh, they know better than to do that or do this or whatever, or they should know this by now, right? But, like at this age. They? Well, and so, so that's, I think the first question is, well, why should they? Like we had that conversation but, about. Because I think it's easy as an, well, and we've all made this, I made this mistake mm-hmm. many times over yeah. when they're younger. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to remind myself, I, I feel like I catch myself better, but I'm, I'm 39 now. Yeah. When my 17 year old makes a stupid choice, should he know better? Right. I mean, yes, but also he's 17. His brain is more underdeveloped than my brain. He's had less experience in life than I have. And so if I put myself, I think if you really try to put yourself in your kid's shoes. Should you know better? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think keeping yourself in check on that, it, it, it's just because you told them once before or even twice before. The, the question is, what does that mean they should know better, right? They might know better, but they still have the freedom to choose what they want to do. Right. And and so it's and it's not just about knowing, like it's not just about having heard what you what you as their parent wants. Mm-hmm. It's about truly like, do they understand the value of that? Yeah. Right? Do they really get why not running into the street is not a good thing? Yeah. If, the, if they've never seen a car drive down that street, it's going to be really hard for you to convince them of that. But if you but, sat down and you talk, and I'm not saying you need to put the you know fear in them, but if you if you can help them understand, like or um, help them understand why you are reactive to certain things, help them understand that that hey, I'm going to grab you hard and pull you out of the way if you're running into the street. The reason why is not because I don't love you; it's because I do love you. And helping them to process through. Things that t- don't connect yeah. very well to them. I don't know if you got some other examples where you can think of where where maybe our kids at younger at that six to ten years old age were didn't really know better, and we had to kind of work with them or work with ourselves on on helping them to understand that. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Do you have more? Well, um, I I know that this is a stage where they're not yet really stretching their boundaries, so. If you do this stage with an intent of really just commu- teaching your kids communication, it's really a fun stage. It's really an easy stage. They they very much want to please you. If you've shown them love and you've kind of built the foundations we've talked about, they want to please you. I mean, Tyler at this stage was like going around asking each of us, is there anything I could do for you? 
is there anything I could do to make your day better? He would literally do that. Yeah, this was at the, like the later end of this. Yeah, thing. towards like 10 years old because he, he was capable now. He could see, it, we had taught him trust. We taught him they could wash dishes. They could take trash out. They could do things around the house or in our case, the RV. Um, and so they were, when we were, when a lot of our kids in that stage, so, so they were like, oh, I'm now an able body and mom and dad trust me. And so they, they were very willing and interested in engaging in sort of pleasing us. And I think, I think that's, you know, uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch them grow into that. And then it's probably good to be careful about encouraging them to just please you. And instead of helping them to find out what they're interested in for themselves, how, how do you do that? with the six to 10 years old, how do you help them to find what they themselves are interested in? What, what did you kind of do? I don't, I think six to 10 year olds are interested in a lot of things. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't think that really honing in on passions and interests come until, uh, really the teenage years. Okay. I think just being excited when they're excited about something. Okay. And yeah. I think it's going, it's, they're going to hop around and want to try a lot of different things and, yeah. try to figure out really what what they truly like and as a dad like this was like one of my favorite stages because this is like yeah play was not i mean three four years old you're like oh my kid can actually like roll a ball back and forth to me or whatever like but now like they're like they can catch a ball they can throw a football they can shoot a basket like they i remember the first time like my first you know first time tyler had enough strength to get a ball in a 10-foot basket yeah. right and you're like oh dude they're growing up like they're becoming like kids I can actually play with and yeah. and and you know I remember actually I just saw some pictures where they were probably young I think Tyler was probably six Ben might have been four but I, we bought them you know nerf guns and, and we then we put the guns. army men all around the house and we'd go around the house and and shoot nerf guns and so it's just like there's this is such a rich stage for for play mm-hmm. with your kids and I think and, and, and I get it that when we're busy, there's so much of this, like get in line and, you know, you know, get ready and get off to school and get your homework done. And, but man, it's like, well, I think it's easy to get to this stage and then think, okay, good. They can like entertain themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think that's fair. Why well, don't you don't have to be like, I think play with them all day, every yeah. day, but I think it's good to recognize that it's, they, they still want you to play with them on yeah. occasion. Like. It's a good, like, it's a good relationship building stage. It really, really is. Oh, I did want to say one thing about reading books. Okay. I think um, it also, I mean, they're six years old. Mm-hmm. We're talking like the youngest and then to 10. But you can read books that they might not be at the reading level. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. You oftentimes would read two or three years ahead of what maybe was recommended. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and so, um, definitely, definitely lots of opportunities for education, lots of opportunities for play. And, and to me, this is a stage where it's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to show you life can be fun. Right. And I think a lot of us, when we think back to this stage, it's like, this is one of the best ages of life. And if, if you can embrace that for your kid and, and recognize they're, they're, they're not hitting puberty yet. They're not they still love you. They, they still will forgive you for anything. Anything. Yeah. They still think you're cool. like puppy dogs. Yeah. And they want to spend time with you. Yeah. And so make, make that time. Um, I think, I think one of the things that's nice about the stage from a, 
adult or relationship perspective, which we kind of talked more about relationship in the first stage is you're now starting to get some breathing room, right? They can, you know, they can put themselves to bed now. In fact, I know we put our kids to bed for a long time and I was like, okay, it's time to like let them put themselves to bed. And yeah, but it's, I still uh, like to put our kids to bed at this stage because all right, it, actually this is there, a, there comes a, there will come a point where they don't need you okay. for a lot of things. Okay. And, and I think that's, True, but you're putting them to bed like seven thirty, eight thirty, a lot of times. So you you you're you're they're in bed, and you're able to like enjoy your time with your spouse. Now again, finally, mm-hmm. um, that can sign that can that can happen three to five too. But but you're definitely like this stage is it's a lot easier. It's not so much. They're of a sleeping bite. through the night. They're not yeah. typically getting going to bed and then waking not, up. You're not potty training. You're not doing all the things right. And so yeah. it's a it's a good fun stage to start to rebuild that relationship, I think. And I think that's where we started to have some breathing room because this is like, so Tyler, it's like, set, you know, starts to get to this stage. They can start helping with their little kid brothers and sisters also, which is really nice. Um, but there was actually something that popped up in my head that I remembered I really got at this stage too. And it was the power of first of the day and end of the day. And um, there was there. I can't remember who it was or what they were saying, but there, there's this concept out there, which is that most of how we remember things is how they begin and how they end. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that, I thought, wow, you know, how is the experience of how is the early experience of my kid's day? How is the later experience of my kid's day? And 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 man, I hated bedtime. I have to admit, like bedtime was not my thing. It was really, really hard for me. I hated that. Oh, I think that was the like toddler years. No, but even later on, I don't know. It was just like they always had an excuse of why they wanted to do something or blah, 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 blah. It was just, I just, I was tired usually by then. And I I was good at almost everything yeah. else. I hated bedtime. I was really not good at bedtime because I was kind of like, I'm done. I want to go spend time with your mom. Like, I want you to just go to bed. And you would almost feel those like, are the sweetest moment. Well, and that's, and so that's where I think it's good to talk as a couple and figure out a, a, a rhythm, recognize it's not fair for just one of Here, them. Here's the thing mm-hmm. that six to 10 is they can shower and bathe themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Cause bath time plus bedtime. Yeah. You're just like tired after that. Yeah. So I like once they could like get showered and ready for bed, then I didn't mind act of like tucking them in and I don't tuck anybody in anymore. Yeah, you don't. I don't like get like good night hugs and kisses that often. Like it mm-hmm. take it when you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special time. And so No one wants me to read them a picture book. Yeah. Or tell them a story. <laughs> or do like their whole little kiss sequence. Tyler had this thing where he'd like wanted me to kiss him like seven different places on, on his, his face. head and then his cheeks. Cheeks and, and his nose and, and chin. chin. Yeah. Yeah. That's cute. The day that ended. Yeah. It's over. So, so I, I, I think that would be one of the other things that I would say is, is if your kids and one, there, this, be, this was actually, I remember distinctly a time where I was really struggling with Ben. And so what I would do is I would start like in homeschooling, I would notice you were struggling with him. Right. And, and we did do, we did start to get him in therapy around this age. And that was really powerful. I think therapy for during this stage can be so valuable. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't think you need to invent problems with your kids if they really are okay. But 
if your kids are having like anger issues, communication issues, uh, extreme focus issues, um, loneliness or Just feeling a lot of not feeling. Yeah. Like if your kids like feelings. saying, I want to die and things like that, which there were times where Ben would speak that way, then get help because doing that for Ben at that age, it was probably around five, five to six to seven. He's but very emotionally. He now is one of the motion, emotionally intelligent. And, and Nick kids. is um, emotionally intelligent just because we've done a lot of work. Right. Well, and the patterns that even his brothers have in communicating. Sorry, with Tyler. Other. We screwed up with you. Well, he, we're just <laughs> slow, slow getting into the game. So, so that's another thing I think to think about is, is don't be afraid of thinking your kid's too young for therapy. And I, we were lucky we had a really good therapist and she we, wasn't we, like over technical or she was just a great. And Benny connected therapist. with her. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think also listening to your child's feedback mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. Well, we learned some of the skills like always, never get away from being of yeah. always don't, never statements. Don't be a mind reader. Yeah, mind reading. We should go find what that is. That was that really was, those good. Are really good little because we still use them now. Yeah, and um, so there's learning the tools. Uh, and and I remember sitting down with Benny as we sat outside of the therapist's office, and I said, "Well, you know, I want you to understand that." Um, I said, "Do you know why we're here?" And he's like, "No, I don't understand." And he's, I was like, "Okay, well, we're here because life is like building a house, right?" And when we show up with the, to build the house, if we show up as a little kid, you know, we haven't had time to develop a lot of or buy a lot of tools or get a lot of tools, right? So can you imagine trying to build a house and taking your hand and, and hammering a nail in? Would that be very easy? And he's like, oh, no, that would hurt. And I was like, yeah, that probably would be pretty hard, right? But if you, if you actually were able to have someone give you a tool and you could use that hammer to hammer the nail, would that be easier? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, that'd be a lot easier. I was like, do you think you build the house faster? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of like what we're going to do here is the person we're going to meet with, um, she specializes in giving kids like you tools to help you to process life and build this house that's called your life. And there's some things that dad knows, but but I'm not specialized at, at these kind of tools. And so she can help you to build uh, build your house better than I can. And so we, we're going to have her talk with you every week and sit down with you and, and just uh, we want you to be open and you can share anything about how you feel about mom or dad or anything you're feeling about life. There's not, there's no, nothing that needs to be a secret. And, and if you can just communicate and talk with her, I think she's going to give you some really cool tools and you're going to be able to build it. And it got him kind of excited, like, Oh, okay, I'm going to go. And he really took on therapy and he did a great job. And later on, we did like brother therapy where both of them were in there and they'd talk about challenges that they'd have. And they, she would meet that with us. That was only a, a short amount of time. Yeah, we, we moved. Hit the road. Yeah. But but that was such a powerful tool that I don't think, I know I know it was kind of taboo when we were younger, but... Um, nowadays it's... Nowadays it's less. But but maybe you're one of those that haven't thought about that. And so that's, that was something I would say is, is allowing your kids to have therapy. And then, so that was one of the things we did with Benny. But then the other thing that, to come back to what the story I was telling was... Um, I noticed he would really struggle just kind of getting transitioning and stuff. And what I found was if I would engage with him early in the day, and I think I even talked to you about this. I said, like, engage with Benny in something that gets his brain kind of going, um, whether it's playing with something with him or just showing him 
that you cared about him early in the day, there was something about starting his day off that way that made the rest of the day go smoother. It sort of sent the message that you're important, you're valuable to your dad, um, you know, and, and I believe in you. And, and I, so I, I try that out. If you're having struggles with your kids and I get, if it's, you know, they go to school and stuff, that's hard because, you know, it's like they get up, they eat food, they get ready and they get out the door. Right. So is there a way you can restructure that? You know, if not, then how do you do Saturdays? How do you do on weekends when you do have those opportunities play, you know, try to, to get engaged with them early on to kind of send the message early in the day that, hey, you've got this, you can handle this day, you know, we've had some fun, we've engaged you, and you turn the brain on, and then after that, it's, it just, I, I, I don't know, I just remember distinctly watching a difference in him, especially, especially um, when I did that, and, and I think it helped you whenever he, you, were doing, you were teaching him. So, so those, are, those are mine. What other final tips do you have or ideas do you have for people in this stage? Anything? No, I can't think of any more. I imparted all my wisdom I've ever had. All right. So we'll talk about homeschool sometime in the future if you're interested in that. But at the end of the day, just love and play and educate at this stage. And read them lots of books and just watch their minds wander. And uh, don't be afraid to get I, – I, I think this is my last thing, and this probably goes for the earlier stages too – there are some of us, I, I, I know I'm not one of them, so, so maybe it's not fair for me to point at you and say you should do this, but I know that some of us are maybe more proper or we're just not as active of minds. There's, there's a lot of engineering minds out there and a lot of people that you know, are a little bit more either you know, straight-laced or they're a little more black and white or they're a little bit, they're just not maybe as playful of a personality right? Some, some of us are more naturally playful. I don't think I'm the most playful. I think there's people that are more playful than me, but I would just say, pull whatever playfulness you can out of yourself at this stage, because it, it's, it's such a, a valuable thing to teach your kids that it's okay to play. And it's okay. I think one of the things I would watch that I've watched from you to celebrate. Yeah. And so, um, that's, that's, that's my encouragement. All right. Play and celebrate. Play and celebrate. And educate. Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to say? No. Play, right. celebrate, educate. There you guys go. All right. <laughs> so we'll be back next week. And uh, it's a little bit smaller window. Yeah. We're going to talk about oh. the 11 and 12. Yeah. And then 13 to 15 and then 17. All these next ones, we're actually living it. Yeah. Right now. So come back for 11 and 12. If you're enjoying the, the series. If you're not, then go find somebody else to talk about these things with but we hope you're enjoying it hope you'll subscribe share with someone who has a kid this age that you think this would be valuable to them or just share with someone hey i listen to this podcast and i like this part and uh that's always amazingly helpful but either way stay free and uh live a little bit out of control all right so this has been another out of control podcast i hope you'll be back yeah thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next round